Hey everyone, I just wanted to let you know that this week's episode requires a trigger warning. My guest is Rick Weary and we talk about his experience living his life and then being in an accident that caused his life to change. And we talk about depression, we talk about suicide, and I just wanted to let you know that if any of those topics are triggering to you, please know that it is okay to skip this episode. And if you do want to listen, it is okay to stop at any point. I hope that you enjoy Rick's story of persevering and overcoming obstacles. Hello, can you see me and hear me? I can see you and hear you, Rick. Awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you, Andy? I'm good. I'm so excited. You're the first person to reach out to be on the podcast. So I'm so excited to see you and chat with you and hear your story because I've only really read about, you know, the back of your book so far. I didn't get the book yet. And so I'm excited to hear more about you. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, that means you're like, you've made it big time if people are reaching out to be on your podcast, right? I mean, I'd like to think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I know that you we're living in Utah. Are you still in Utah? Yeah. Yep. So you're living in Utah and you marry your college sweetheart, sounding like the perfect story, and then something happens. So tell me yeah. about your life before that something happens and kind of what you had envisioned your path to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I grew up, you know, in a small town, uh, just kind of a country boy. Uh, I worked on my, I helped uh, my dad on his farm and I had a construction job. Uh, Things were going good. Uh, I met my wife in Cedar City and we were, we'd known each other for maybe, let's say four years. So, uh, and then, you know, then I, we got married and, uh, we uh, found this program. It's a it's a easy way to get into your first home uh, by working on it. Uh, it's called Sweat Equity, and uh, you know we were we were just the young couple uh, trying to you know start out in life, you know, and uh, the 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 accident, you know, the, the we talk about. Uh, I was uh, working one. Uh, one night, uh, late with my friend Zach, and uh, I was building a wall, and uh, I was building it together and constructing it and everything, and uh, I shot a nail into the last chunk of wood, and it like it split. It was in in inside a knot, and the nail ended up landing like right there in the web of my thumb, and it was stuck in there, you know, and so I was with my friend Zach, uh, he was working on the house with me, and uh, I asked him to pull it out, and I was just trying to be tough, you know, and he grabbed his Leatherman tool and jerked it out, and I thought everything was going good, uh, but I, as I was looking at it, uh, I just, for some reason, got a little bit lightheaded and queasy, uh, is the best way I can explain, and uh, so what I did is I thought I'd get a drink to help that wear off, you know. And so I started walking across the floor uh, in this house. And we had 
we had earlier that day we had cut a hole out for the for the stairs to go um but uh we didn't build the stairs yet so there's just a unsafe hole and i passed out and tipped over and fell into the basement i fell like i landed like right on the top of my head about c6 vertebrae wow and and if i recall correctly you you didn't even know that you fell like you fell and then you were in a drug-induced coma so you didn't necessarily know that you had fallen until you woke up is that correct no no i had woke up in the in the basement um zach had woke me up uh he told me he'd called paramedics and everything and uh he's kind of tried to straighten my body out as best he could and uh you know, a lot of things did happen in a short amount of time. Some of it is a blur, but yeah, I was, I remember, uh, quite a bit of things from my house that I was building to the ICU where I eventually ended up in that uh, drug induced coma. Wow. And so when you woke up to hear that you had been paralyzed, what was your immediate reaction? Uh, my immediate reaction was, "Oh, this is this is just something temporary. It will it will wear off or something like that." Um, it was I I just kind of what may be in a little bit disbelief, you know. Um, but when I really kind of grasped grasped the seriousness of the situation, uh, I remember looking down, and I had been in a coma for quite a while. And I remember looking down at like my arms and how they had atrophied so much. Uh, I remember Andy. I remember going to scratch my nose, laying flat on my back, and noticing that I no longer had the strength to hold my hand up from falling on my nose. And so I was like, "This is serious. Uh, this is scary." Uh, I didn't know what life would be like uh, in the future going forward. Yeah, I, and I, I'm sure that when the doctors talk to you as they would to anybody else, they kind of set you up to, you know, think maybe that you can't do certain things so that potentially through the therapies that I'm sure you had, you were able to like negate some of the things that they said. But I can only imagine that it, it must be somewhat daunting to hear like, oh, you might not be able to, you know, do certain things like go out and hunt like I know you you do. Like all these things that you had enjoyed doing that just might have been harder or in their eyes impossible. Right. I remember, you know, like the doctors and I and I held on to this idea that it would wear off that I'd heal whatnot I'd be you know next week and so so a lot of times I would be in denial when the doctors would say you know try to uh tell me hey you know you're gonna have to learn how to do things differently um I was in denial quite a bit uh even going on I I uh, caught pneumonia and I was on a trach just to kind of catch up on the story and, and then uh eventually I, uh, my body, you know, I caught pneumonia, but it, it started to get a little bit better and they moved me to a rehab unit. 
And before this, I always thought rehab, like to me, rehab kind of sounded like, oh, well, that's someone for a drug addict or something like that, you know. But for me, I was like, I was rehabbing uh, my physical injuries to just like learn how to live, you know. And so we, they would give me like tasks uh, throughout the day that sometimes I would just be frustrated, you know, like they'd, they'd like spill a bunch of like, skittles on the table and i'd have to learn how to pick them up now with like paralyzed hands you know a lot of little frustrating things but like they were you know trying to help me realize that you know you can still do whatever you want whatever you set your mind to but you might have to adapt um andy i remember uh i was depressed and kind of just like this and also in denial, and I remember uh, being in uh, the hospital uh, bed at night, and I couldn't sleep this particular night. And I had a nurse uh, come in to my room, and uh, she had a calendar in her hand and a red marker. And she said to me, uh, you know, she she sympathized with me first. Sympathized with me first. She said you know, I realize that this is hard. Uh, you know, you you kind of are confused, uh, but we've got to, like, learn to make the most of our time here in rehab. And so what I want to do is, she said, anytime you accomplish something today that you couldn't do yesterday, we're going to write it down in this calendar in red letters, and we're going to call it a red letter day. And that was, that was kind of a good thing, what she did to me. Uh, she took my mind off of, like, the severity of the situation. And let me, you know, like, for instance, like, at that time, a red-letter day, uh, something that I accomplished that I couldn't do the day before was, like, figure out how to drink out of a drinking fountain without spilling on me. Or figure out how to wheel myself down the hall uh, without ask asking for help you know these things were like small but like they were they were small tasks that helped me uh kind of kind of gain momentum if that makes sense yeah and i love i love that idea of okay things are hard things are tough and you might not be able to accomplish every single thing today but what couldn't you do yesterday like it's such a a beautiful way of thinking about life like we are always, no matter what circumstance you're in, you're always going to be facing obstacles, but there's always something that maybe you're doing better today than you did yesterday. And that must have been such a, a great way to think about life while you're there, because I'm sure, as you said, like, it's very frustrating and especially being able-bodied before and knowing the things that you could do. I'm sure that was such a a mental challenge to readjust thinking about the way that you're using your body to do, as you said, even the smallest task of lifting the Skittles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I motivational speak and stuff, when I talk about, uh, when I introduce myself, I very often say that I've gotten to live two lives. Um, if that makes sense to you, because I lived my first life, uh, I just solved all my problems with just pure strength and grit and like hard work 
And if I had like something that needed to, you know, get done, I'd just use my, you know, my my body and my talents to get it done. And um, the second life that I talk about is now I have to kind of solve problems with my brain. And I want to, if you're if you're if you're okay with it, I want to tell you an experience that kind of where my second life really started because there was a period of time where I feel like I just kind of like not so much wasted, but as a period of time where I uh, was very depressed and sad. Uh, This was like after I had gotten to my new house and I had come home and like the newness of like Rick's spinal cord injury wore off and I was just expected to like live my life and and really that's when depression started like hitting me hard like this dark cloud just was over me all the time and um this is like the kind of embarrassing part of my story but it's it's uh necessary to tell but i felt like i wanted to not be in this world anymore um and so I made a plan. Uh, I made a plan that I was going to wheel my wheelchair. Uh, in my neighborhood, I have this um, this little hill. And up the hill, at the top of the hill, there's a canal. And I was going to push myself into that canal and end my life. But the problem was, at the time, is I didn't think I could make push myself up that hill by myself. And so what I did is I started setting like these goals and my first goal was to like get down to the end of the street by myself. And then, you know, I was next goal was to push my wheelchair like to the bottom of that hill. And then my next goal was to like push myself halfway up and I'd come home the next day and think, oh, you know, one step closer, you know. And then I finally realized that I could probably do this. And I wheeled my wheelchair, you know, down to the end of the street, to the bottom of the hill. I looked up at the hill as a challenge, and I wheeled myself, and I made it to the top of the hill. So here I was, like, in my mind, just thinking, wow, I just did something that I couldn't do yesterday. And then that little, that nurse, that story of this, and and sometimes that nurse was kind of like annoying to me at the time. Like she'd be like writing the stupidest things down and like, hey, you're, you're amazing. You did this. But her voice came to me when I was at the top of that hill and those words saying, accomplish something today that you couldn't yesterday. And instead of pushing myself into the canal, uh, I'm here today. I have breath in my body. And I ended up pushing around the neighborhood and came home that day. And when I came home, I came from the other direction. My wife was sitting on the porch waiting for me to get back. And she noticed that I had accomplished something kind of amazing in, in my, you know, in my life. And she was cheering me on the whole way. Um, She was proud of me. And I got home and, and that's the day, Andy, when I talk about my second life, that's the day that second life started right there. I realized that I can do anything I set my mind to. There might be 
you know, adaptions that have to take place. I'm going to have to ask for help. But I took this little lesson and tried to like apply that to my life moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, to me from the outside, I don't find that story to be embarrassing. I find it to be just simply remarkable because you had this plan to end your life and along you knew that there were steps that you needed to accomplish. And so without even like knowing it, you were pushing yourself beyond what you thought you could do and healing a part of you. And, you know, it, it's really hard with depression. Like I have depression too. And it's just, it, it, it gets you. And I can, I, I wonder what it felt like when you were wheeling yourself back home and there's your wife who's been supporting you through all this. And that's not to say that it wasn't hard for her or for you. You know, obviously, this was a whole change in, in your marriage and what you guys expected. But there she is, so excited to see you come back home and accomplish something that I'm sure neither one of you might not have thought was possible. You know, that that is the new beginning. That is something so remarkable and coming from a really dark place you know it started off as this really hard dark thing but turned into like this beautiful rainbow at the end of the story it's right amazing <laughs> well thanks and and it reminds me like i like to now i have like a hand cycle and i like to pedal i like to it's weird i like to make myself suffer that's weird i know anybody that's like a marathon runner or something like that but I like to pedal my uh, hand cycle, and there's this particular hill that I ride a lot of. It's like, it's usually when I go up it, I like, I'm always like, what am I doing? Like, why am I putting myself through this? And I want to explain to you a little bit about this hill. Is like, it's this spot. Uh, it's on a bike path. And if you look to your right, all you see is like this hill. And then if you look to your left, it's actually the freeway is there so you really can't see anything um and if you look forward all you see is the end of the trail like going up over like just look and so i think this like this i always reflect when i'm riding up this hill and i'm like pedaling and i'm like what what do, why am i just suffering and i feel like we're tunneled in a lot of the times and i i feel like we don't kind of get uh the whole picture um what's really cool is you you eventually get to the top of the hill and you you're you become i know this isn't a word but you become untunnelized right and you can see like the bigger picture you can see the whole valley and you can see like the beauty of the reason you suffered to get up to the top of the hill and then what's even cooler is you when you're up to the top of the hill you get to like coast down you get I mean, you get to reap the fruits of like the hard work that you just put forth, you know? Yeah. And, and it's such a nice challenge for you and not, not to shy back from something that is daunting and hard and now accomplishing it and seeing the beauty within it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And you took all of this experience that you have and you created a book called Red Letter Days. Tell me about this book. Tell me when you started to realize that you should write a book and all the things. Okay, so I just like, um, I get a lot of 
I don't I don't know if it's just by default or I get a lot of people just asking me to like share my story like a, a like youth groups or or uh different situations because um they feel like it will help these people and so I just started like sharing my story more and more and I thought to myself is like if this is helping people hear about my journey if it's helping them get through theirs then why not try to share that as big as possible and you know like i talked about like that red letter day concept you know like you know that day it was a red letter day for me to wheel around the neighborhood i thought to myself like why can't i like dream up of the next biggest thing that will make somebody and i always say this andy and i hope it's like it's it's not i hope it's not vain but i always like want to do something that will make my mama proud of me and um and i try to use that as like what's next you know and this is my story you know like this is um what the book is about is my story but also like moving forward from that second life things that i have accomplished that people might see as inspiration and then realize that they too can do things do hard things yeah i i i love that and i mean for me i love reading books about people overcoming obstacles and the journeys that they had and the the things that helped them because as i said before we all have obstacles and it's nice to hear from other people what helped them because maybe you you did something to help yourself that I never thought to do. And so I think that it's incredible and it's great for these younger kids to hear, you know, it'll, it, things in your life can change in an instant, everything can change. And it it's hard, you know, as we've talked about, there's depression, there's obstacles that you have to overcome physically, mentally, but we don't have control over our life all the time and things come up and things happen and we have to be able to adapt and feel all of the emotions, but adapt and move forward. So I think that's right. Great. Uh, I'm reminded and I'm wondering if you're a little too young to remember this, but uh, did you, when you were a kid, play the game Mario? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Okay. Okay. So. Anyways, I remember when I was a kid going like we were we were too poor to have like a Nintendo. So I'd go to my cousins and play and I could I like I could just hear the music of like Mario dropping in and like this is just pure nostalgia, you know, and like Mario hits that first like uh question and comes where he can one up, but then there's obstacles. Uh, you know, like you get you move on and, and then all of a sudden there's like you've got to jump over this hole in the floor you know and then you you move on a little bit further and then all of a sudden you get like this fire breathing dragon you know and and the the crazy part about it is mario when we were kids was so addicting because of those challenges there's a podcaster his name's theo vaughn and he he's a hilarious guy but he he was talking about like if mario had no challenges and all it was was this this dirt path and we just walked across and we completed the level and we wouldn't we would have put the controller down after like one 
try. Our lives are challenges. There's going to be challenges in our lives. That's just a given. Andy, your challenges, I, you know, I kind of caught your, a few of your podcasts. You know, you were burnt out as a teacher, right? And those were a challenge, right? You faced that. But what's cool is you found a new thing, right? This is your thing, this podcasting. And, you know, that to me is amazing, you know? And if people, the, the better people can realize that there are going to be challenges, the better that they'll be equipped for those challenges. Yeah, I I love that analogy of the Mario because I think that's it's so true. It's so true, and you know, as you're saying, like we need to be equipped to handle all these challenges. And now look at your life now, right? You you still are married, and you have a house. I can see behind you that there are four yeah. walls <laughs> behind you, and I believe you have two sons. Yes, twin boys, and they're nine, and they are, they are very much a handful. <laughs> I'm sure, but like your life is still beautiful and rich, and I I think also for them as your your children to hear the story of how you live two lives and you're still going strong and still doing all the things that you love and more, like is just such a great way for them to grow up also. Right. I like how you mentioned like how how we're all equipped, right? Um, like I mentioned before, like my first my first life, quote unquote, I was equipped with like this body of like strength. I grew up on a farm and I could haul hay, whatnot, you know, and like I thought that was my my um identity um but it but it wasn't what my identity is and always will be is i'm rick weary um you know and what i like about that is like we are all i got another analogy for you i hope that's i hope it's okay so um i i was asked to speak at my boys uh in their class a couple years ago um and i spoke to them and I remember like preparing my speech to them before the night before. And my boy asked if I could play the game, guess who with him. Um, have you ever played that game? Yeah. Guess who? And okay. So bear with me. I want to explain how you play this game. Like you have these pictures of people on your board. And it's almost like a battleship. Your partner has the exact same pictures, but you each have a person, right? And your person might be Rick or Andy. It might be Bob or whatever. They have traits about them. Um, and this is just physical traits. And this is how you play the game. And you eventually you be like, is your person blonde? And Because they say no. Or your person have glasses. And what's eventually you figure out who the other person is. And you'll say, is your person you know, Joe. And of course, you guessed right because you narrowed them all down. So so I thought about this in my speech to the, the to my boys' class, and I wanted to explain to these children that they all have traits about them. Not just physical traits, but emotional traits. Some of them might have this skill of being able to listen. You, you Andy, have this skill of this being a podcaster and helping people tell their stories and giving insight and whatnot. 
that's your trait and i would never take that away from you but that's what sets you apart right everybody on this earth has these abilities or skills or different talents that set them apart that help them get through this life right and i thought that my talent was taken away and i realized that i have just as many if not more talents i just need to learn to like now i need to learn to speak and to tell people my story i evolved in a in a sense you know and that's um that's kind of your story too isn't it, andy i mean i i kind of feel like you evolved a little bit yourself definitely definitely and i think taking time to as you said like think about the traits that we have and Think about, okay, well, before when I was a teacher, I had these traits and I thought that was who I am. But then looking at yourself and thinking about, okay, well, what what else makes me who I am? And using those traits to really live your life fully. And I mean, your other trait is that you're a father. You are a professional athlete, right? I, I saw that you play rugby. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many things that we all have within us. And it's just a matter of taking time to think about those things and reflect on them and not throw them aside. You know, I think a lot of people think about the things that they can do or that they like and they put them to the side. It's like, no, live live your life, live your best life and use that. Use that fuel to guide you to whatever you want to do. Right. It's like you're doing that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I. You know, honestly, I, and in writing my book, I've like, I've found so much joy in other people uh, learning from my trials, right? Um, I I just, I love it when someone will come up to me and like, oh, I read your book. Oh, that was so good, you know? And that's just me trying to use my talent to help this world or you know my my world i guess yeah and i love that you wrote a book about it because i think there are so many books out there and i know some people are you know might think oh why do we need another book about this and another book about this and not necessarily about your story but that story connects to someone and someone's going to pick it up and read it and feel connected to it there's always something about everyone's story that you can connect with. And maybe it's not the exact same experience, but there's a lesson within it. And I think that that's something that's just so amazing and that you were able to write your story and share that with the world. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And feel free to advertise it out. I want so many people to, you know, uh, you know, it, it's called Red Letter Days. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, Anyways, that's my story. And, uh, you know, I hope other people can learn from it. Yeah, I'm sure they can. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes so that people can go to it. And I'm going to go get it because it sounds just beautiful. And I I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much for reaching out and then feeling safe enough to share your story. And I'm glad that you rode around the whole block that day and came back home. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm full of stories. So if you ever uh, want me back, I mean, I could tell you all my stories. 
and and that's what my book is. You know, it's like a, a story about me hunting after my, uh, you know, after I broke my neck, or a story about this bike ride I went on, and and just like just motivational stories, like to get people up and moving. I guess you know, um, when I was had that dark cloud on me, that was the missing piece. I wasn't up and moving. Yeah. And it's, it's important. And I think that, you know, especially when people are dealing with depression, it's very hard to see that side and see, you know, you might think about, oh, I should do this, but you can't, like, there's just something physically holding you back. And it's so important to see, you know, the other side. And so to hear your story of like, okay, it was really hard. And you were able to see the other side. And that other side was just beautiful and still going strong and you know it's i just thank you so much for coming on today this was a great conversation thank you for having me we'll talk to you later yep sounds good enjoy your day look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.